Welcome back to the Sprott Money News. Ask the experts. <laughs> you can try that again. Sorry about that, guys. Uh, all right. Welcome back to the Sprott Money News. Ask the experts segment for November 2022. Remember, this is where we bring in uh, experts of the precious metals industry, hit them with some of the questions that you all have submitted and uh, get their responses. I'm your host, Craig Hemke, and joining me this month is David Morgan. Many of you will recognize David. He's a renowned expert, devoted his whole life, really, to the precious metals and to silver. His work can be found at themorganreport.com, and he's an old friend of mine, an old friend of Eric Sprott, and an old friend of Sprott Money. Good to see you, David. Craig, thanks for having me. It's good to see you. Well, this is always fun. We've been collecting these questions over the last few days, and uh, my job is to simply just lay them on you and get your response. Before we get started, though, I want to remind everybody, all of this content that you find either at SprottMoney.com or on YouTube or whichever channel you find it is provided free of charge. So do Sprott Money a favor. Send them a little thank you. The least you can do is subscribe or hit like on whatever channel you're watching this or listening to it. But don't forget, it's always a good time to be adding some physical precious metal. And Sprott Money should be one of your preferred dealers that you always check when you're in the market. In fact, as we record this, it is uh, November. So we're getting ready for Black Friday at Sprott Money. Of course, big Black Friday sale can be found on their website right now. It runs through Friday the 25th. And I'm sure after that, then you can check their holiday gift guide for even more sales. So go to SprottMoney.com. Always keep that in mind anytime you're in the precious metal market. And David, I've been in the market quite a bit here lately uh, buying precious metal. I'm sure you have too after this big pullback we've had, but it looks like maybe we've turned the corner. Uh, that's a good lead into question number one, which is simply put, what do you expect out of the U.S. Federal Reserve in 2023? Oh, boy. That's not an easy one. A good question. <laughs> I think we're going to see uh, more uh, increases in the interest rates. There's two, I have two thoughts. One is that they, they, the Federal Reserve has determined they're going to just keep raising interest rates until something breaks. That's number one. Do I think, I think the probability of that is less than 50%. The other one is just to continue to ratchet interest rates up as required, which means maybe they'll go up 50 basis points, maybe 25 basis points, and then pause, and then go up, but continue to put the pressure on increased interest rates so the suckers of the world continue to pour money into the U.S. Treasury market because anyone that knows anything knows they're worthless in, in the near future. And they need to do that in order to implement the new system. So you want the dollar strong as possible until the new central bank digital currency is implemented. If you don't want the dollar to get destroyed, at least psychologically in people's minds, before they get you into their new digital currency system. So that's my take. And just to stab at it, because I'm sure there was kind of implied, well, when? I think they're going to continue through at least the middle of 2023 on a, you know, ratcheting up. I don't think you'd see any pause or anything substantive until the third quarter. But of course, that's my best guess. And I will use the word guess, Craig. And of course, maybe something will break in the meantime. Um, exactly. Yeah. I entered this year thinking, you know, on the basis of last year, or and I'm sorry, 2018, 
10 year note got to three and a quarter stock market fell 20 percent. that was all it took well we've exceeded both of those this year and they keep on going well in a true hyperinflation you know stock markets just go up 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 and up yeah. i mean the zimbabwe stock market was the hmm. best performer a couple of years ago right but just because you're in the stock market it's better than having money in the bank or in a money market but it still doesn't keep you on par with the inflation the only thing that does that from the Zimbabwe experience, Venezuela, Argentina, <clears throat> or the Weimar Republic is precious metals. It's the only thing. Yeah. Everything else goes up. The stock market goes up, 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 up. Whoa, whoa, whoa. But it doesn't keep you on par with the depreciation. Right. Exactly. Well, it'll be interesting to see. But you think at some point next year they stop and probably go the other direction and see where they go from there yeah i know and the thing that's interesting about that i want to ask you is you know we all talk about the pivot and that's sort of like anyone that knows anything knows that once they do that it's game over for the dollar Everything. it's like they're admitting we're print you know what it, so many have said qe to infinity all we're going to do is print to oblivion and at some point when you get near oblivion the currency is is deemed worthless for all practical purposes people just shun it spend it as fast as they can to get real things and so on that pivot, that's the presumption. Be interesting to see if, when that takes place. Again, my idea is they want to get out of this current system and into the new one ASAP as soon as possible and not lose too much credibility. Because if they lose all credibility with the U.S. dollar, then how are they going to transition? It will be right. much more difficult. Right. Good point. All right, let's move on to question two. Um, I've been watching this on my side, watching copper prices. Finally, after 90 uh, days, 120 days, break out above the 370 level, trying to turn higher. Um, do you, do you su subscribe to this theory of Dr. Copper being a predictor of kind of the macro economy or the stock market? I used to. I used to think, and, I, and it worked for, for you know decades. Uh, I still give it some power, but I think oil is more important now. So I look at what the mm -hmm. oil market's doing. Mm -hmm. Copper does give us some indication, but there's a little bit of uh, oh psychology behind copper now with the EV situation and how much is needed for electric vehicles. Yeah. So there's a little bit of bias in it now, uh, but I do look at it. I'm neutral. I wouldn't say I'm bearish on copper but I'm kind of neutral on it. My main thesis is the contraction in the global economy as the financial system continues to expand. So if you have more pieces of paper chasing a contracting economy, that means higher prices across the board. Yeah. And that's exactly what we're seeing. So in a contraction, there's going to be less availability to go into a new copper mining project, for example. Plus, if you factor in the energy cliff and look at what the oil situation is, real or contrived, it's still reality, which means less energy, which means everything gets hurt, especially highly intensive energy programs like mining. Yep. Uh, and that impacts physical supply. I don't want to get to that. Uh, well, you know what? I'm going to shift up the question. I mean, that was going to be question four. I'm going to move this to question three. Um as we record this on the 18th, uh, news came out today, annual projections out of the Silver Institute, um, projecting what 
we've talked about and maybe known about for years, which is a silver supply deficit. Even when you factor in a global mine supply, all of the recycling, on just their base assumptions about industrial demand and investment demand, they're forecasting almost a 200 million ounce deficit next year in silver supply. Um, <laughs> I don't know. How the, is that even a question? What do you make of that, I guess, is the question, David. Well, it brings back to when I started, you know, the older domain, silver-investor.com and, you know, went around the world telling everybody, you know, how great the silver investment possibilities were. We've been in a deficit from 1990 to 2005 right. or six for an average of 100 million ounces per year for 15 years, Greg. That totals 1.5 billion ounces. And we started somewhere around 2 billion. So we're down to 500 million ounces at the 2005-2006 timeframe. So if supply and demand actually worked and you had that much of a supply deficit going on for over a decade and you saw that pitifully small amount of silver above ground, you'd think the price would be skyrocketing. But if you check the price in 2005, it's not the case. Yeah. It took five, six years later where we got back to the nominal high of 50. And stockpiles were increasing from about 2006 up. So I am going to answer a comment. So 200 million ounces is double the annual deficit that was taking place in those other years. And I just did a Twitter, I did my weekly perspective. People can uh, get on my blog and listen to it, but I focused on that. And I don't think it's going to go for 15 years. It would certainly be interesting if it did, but uh, it shows you the power of silver. And most of that, well, it's really both cases. It's investment demand and it's industrial demand. Mm -hmm. Big, when we started with the projection of solar back, I think I started talking about it in 2000. And then I re-upped my analysis in 2010. Uh, <clears throat> the projection was, you know, growth in solar. Right now, solar is about 10% of the industrial demand on silver. And a lot of that really cannot be recycled very easily because right. of the toxins that are in the panels. So still very bullish, but I think it's very interesting to get this. And I, again, read the article, one more comment. And of course, Philip Clapwick, who I know, <laughs> said, you know, well, yeah, and there's been the drainage off the COMEX and the LBMA, but there's still plenty of We'll see. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's, uh, we're halfway done. Let's go to question four, which had going to be question three until I shifted them up a little bit. Um, in your mind, is it better, and again, not getting into investment advice, but for the average investor, is it better for them to buy individual silver miners or just get more blanket coverage with an ETF like the SILGE or the SGDJ, which is the Sprott Managed ETF? Yeah, if I was going to tell my, you know, sister or family member, picking individual stocks is tough. I'm good at it, not perfect. But I would actually go to a, a mutual fund, a gold, good gold mutual fund. Yeah, you're not going to get the case. Or you could go with the ETFs. I'm not a real strong ETF guy, but either one. But definitely spread the risk. Get some professionals in there. Let them manage your money. And you're going to ride the wave. And there's advantage and disadvantage. The advantage is that, it's on aggregate. So if the whole system or the whole trend is up in silver, for example, you will get gains and they will be leveraged. On the other hand, if you pick the correct silver stocks, you probably outperform. I've usually outperformed in a good year, you know, you name the gold fund. 
but you know, it takes work, you know, and yeah. there's entry and exits and you got to be willing to take a profit and all that. So I'd say for most people, just get a mutual fund or an ETF. I want to make one more comment. And that is there aren't any, to my knowledge, well, there's one, uh, well, there's, it's an ETF. I was going to say there isn't to my knowledge, any silver mutual fund anymore. And back when I was younger than you, there was the Fidelity had a silver fund and Lexington had a silver. I believe it was the Lexington Silver Fund is the way I would run. They had silver bullion and silver mining stocks, top tier, mid tier and speculations. So you basically got the Morgan report if you bought the Lexington Silver Fund. Hmm. And I do more than silver. I want to make that clear. I mean, I rebranded the Morgan report because it covered all the resources, copper, lithium, cobalt, battery metals, rare earths and all that. But obviously silver is still something I spend a lot of time. Yeah. Uh, I wonder if when those mutual funds return, we'll have to make note of that. We're, we're getting close to the top, maybe. I would um, say. All right. Question five. Um, this is an interesting question, and I'm not sure if it's answerable, but I'm going to ask you uh, the question anyway. If uh, one, if you were able to remove all of the derivatives, all the unallocated accounts and leverage, what would be the price of silver? Well, obviously, that would be a guess, yeah, but it would be I mean. a cash market. And in the cash market, you would, um, you know, determine the price on a daily basis. You know, someone that needs it for their, you know, Samsung, for example, would yeah. buy up there so many, you know, thousands and thousands of ounces and Elon Musk, et cetera. I think the leverage, I think it was a round number, you know, looking at... Um, not the over-the-counters, which we don't really know. But I think we could be conservative, say, you know, 10 to 1. I mean, we could argue it's 100 to 1. I think you'd use that factor. I think if you took silver's price and looked at it in real terms, meaning from 1980, the average price after the silver peak <clears throat> was $20 an ounce for all of 1980. And if you went out a year before that, the all-time high of silver was 6 Six dollars in January 1979. January 1980, it hit 50. Then it traded at 20 for the rest of the year. Again, three times the, the all-time high year before. So I think if we look at it in those terms, Greg, we would say a nominal fifty dollars is somewhere. It depends on which CPI you use. So I'll use the government's one, which mm -hmm. is bogus, and that'd be around 150. So if we said that was the peak. And we took a third of that, we'd be at 50. Yeah. So I think it'd be north of 50, probably closer to 100 or 150, but it's really difficult. But I wanted to go through that for my thinking. Well, David said it's going to be, I hate that. <laughs> I hate that because, well, David right. said, well, David said what? Right. How did David get to that number? Right. right. So right. That, people, I've been asked that for a dozen years. Uh, you know, what's the right gold price? And I, I don't know, because you're putting it in dollars per ounce and i don't know how many ounces there are and if you don't know the denominator how are you going to be able to come up with a price but you know it is and you, you've been in commodities for so long david i mean it's there are a lot of commodities that are priced just directly from producer to consumer they don't have futures markets right well the egg and milk market used right. to be a, a chickens exchange we still eat eggs and we still have milk yeah, and chickens. And I mean, you yeah. go through all kinds of markets like that. You don't have to have a futures market. Not. So who knows what will happen in the end. All right, one last question. Um, 
and I'm sure you're aware, premiums on American Eagles uh, are extreme. I've seen a lot of dealers buying them back from people at, at huge premiums. Then um, this must just be from a silver investor. What are there better options than sovereign coins? And and what is your preferred type of silver that you buy? Yeah, I do think there's uh, an arbitrage opportunity here. And, uh, I, you know, if you go back to my 10 rules of silver investing, I talk about, you know, an ounce of silver is an ounce of silver. And if you've got a silver disc and it's stamped with Santa Claus on it and the back's got a sleigh, but it's 999 fine in one ounce, in essence, it's the same as an American silver eagle. Right, right. It really is. Now, people won't like to hear that. And there's reasons people buy eagles. Uh, but at the end of the day, premiums usually shrink, which means you're going to get paid approximately the same for that Santa Claus silver round that you will an American silver eagle. Now, that's not the case right now and here. And I understand that. And I understand why, because the demand side is so strong. But for me, I've uh, many of my you know uh, members have asked what to do, and of course I can't give individual advice. But I have said, well, if it were me, I'd do a fifty-fifty. In other words, if I had ten monster boxes, I'd I'd sell five at the premium, take that and put it into silver bars, you know, capture a lot more silver that way. Yeah. And if you're wrong, and the premiums continue to increase or stay high. You've only made, you haven't made a mistake. You made half a mistake, right? Yeah. Because you still have both. Yeah. But to not capture the premium, in my opinion, is also a mistake. Yeah. And the bag market. I mean, I'm thinking about selling some of my bag inventory because, you know, I've collected several bags over the years mm. and they're sitting at about as big a premium as the Silver Eagles are. Which again, if you can multiply the amount of silver that you have, by 25% maybe. Yeah. Why not? Well, so, I talked to one of my dealer friends yesterday and he talked about a million dollar account that swapped bags for bars and it came out with 22% more silver. There you go. That's about what the math is. So it's something to, again, it's it's very easy. Like we talked about the ETF thing. You could just kind of passively hold it and that's what I do. Yeah. But, well, it was a million dollar account. Sorry to interrupt you, Craig. Didn't mean no. to. It was a million dollar account. So now it's one point two million. Pretty easy to do. They made two hundred twenty thousand yeah. on that spot. Yeah, take advantage of it. So, anyway, David, interesting times, and I'm sure um, as we get through the holiday season here, and we flip the calendar, certainly looks like it's going to be an interesting year in 2023. I remember thinking the only thing predictable about this current year was that it was going to be unpredictable and volatile. Yeah. <laughs> Probably the same thing for next year. Um, and it's always a pleasure to visit with you. Like I said, you've been an old friend of mine and of Eric Sprott and of Sprott Money. And so it's always great to visit with you. And, and before we wrap up, tell everybody again about the Morgan Report and what they can find at your website. Sure. It's themorganreport.com. Get on our free e-letter, please, and then go to the blog. And on the blog, I put up most of the interviews I do for public domains. And also over on the right-hand side, there's direct links to our LinkedIn, our Twitter feed, which is pretty active on Twitter. I have two people that can access my account. So everything that goes up on Twitter isn't necessarily from me, but most of the time it is. And uh, that's it. I'm here to be of maximum service to others to try to get us through this financial conundrum, which, of course, is economy-based. And as I said earlier, 
My take is it's not the brightest economic system going forward, but uh, humans are resilient. They're beautiful. They have uh, something that's uh, higher powered, in my opinion. And we will get through and hopefully come through the other side better than ever before. Yeah. Hey, the only my- the only word of caution I'd add, David, is, you, you know, people should avoid kind of fly-by-night flash-in-the-pan types, you know, and you haven't been doing this very long, so I would... <laughs> yeah, right. There we go. Thanks for that. <laughs> How many years, David? Oh, geez. Well, I, you know, caught the silver thing when I was 11 years old when the, you know, coinage got ripped off. And I, you know, from probably... I started trading stocks at 16. But as far as silver is concerned, 1980, how old would I be? 27. Around 23, 22, 23, that's when I really got serious about the, the metals market. So just a couple of years ago is all. Yeah, just a few. <laughs> all right, my friend, thank you. And again, everybody listening, uh, please thank Sprott Money uh, for this content. Stop by SprottMoney.com for the Black Friday sale or for the holiday gift guide. And then be sure to check back next month. We'll have all the same content, precious metals projections early in the month. Ask the expert. And of course, uh, the monthly wrap-up, yearly wrap-up, which might be kind of fun too. So thanks everybody for watching. David, thank you for joining us and uh, have a great Thanksgiving. All right. And from all of us here at Sprout Money News and SproutMoney.com, thanks for watching and you have a great Thanksgiving as well.